changes everything around it. It's just a color. Gotta fucking love that poster. Just mm. so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Welcome, everybody, to Satanists on Cinema. We're your hosts, Satanist Cameron John and Reverend Campbell. Satanists on Cinema is a film review and commentary series from the beyond. And the ancient ones say hello. Today, we're giving you our spoiler-filled review of Color Out of Space. This film reminds us that seclusion during an alien contagion... <clears throat> Sorry, I lose my voice today, people. Maybe good for public at large but you fucked yeah it's true just a little bit it's true uh, i mean at least there's a lot of pretty colors so yeah. if i'm gonna go out that's it's a pretty good way to go out i gotta say the color we chose for our logo matches up perfectly with color out of space logo yes it does so we really were guided by the ancient ones i don't know if you guys know that or not. that that is true that's how everything started it's true uh, well, this film started in 2019, It is, or it was released in 2019. It's an American science fiction cosmic horror film directed and co-written by Richard Stanley based on the short story The Color Out of Space by H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know if you guys have heard. Uh, Cameron, have you heard of this H.P. Lovecraft character before? I want to say yes, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I hear See? his name banded around from time to time. Yeah, might have uh, might have watched a few adaptations this last week. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, there is a The Color Out of Space film released in 2010, uh, a mm -hmm. German production, black and white. This is not that. There is no, no definitely not if, that. If, if there is uh, one thing abundant in this <laughs> film, it is absolutely color. And I have to absolutely. say, Richard Stanley, my hat off to you, my man. You really went like like to the. Mandy realm of color. Mm. Yeah, this this motherfucker, he, Jesus Christ! Like, so this is a whole other tangent. I'm not even gonna get on because that's like a fucking rabbit hole and a half. But if you guys ever get a chance, you should totally watch the documentary called Lost Soul. It's all about his experience making um, the island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah. Fuck this dude is just one punk rock ass motherfucker. And I think he's great. Yes, my hat tips to him, definitely. Uh, and that leads us in. Uh, his first feature film uh, since The Island of Dr. Moreau in 1996. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this Which is... wasn't even his, actually. He got oh. fired. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> like, he got fired right before Principal because yeah. Marlon Brando's a cunt. Or, sorry, was a cunt because <laughs> he's dead. First uh, of all... You forgot one very important adjective. He was a fat cunt. Oh, yes. Definitely a fat cunt. <laughs> well, and so is Val Kilmer. Although he wasn't fat then. He's fat now. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it's still cute. We all get there eventually. <laughs> Some of us sooner than others, but yeah, whatever. Um, first of all, I, I, I love Brando and Val Kilmer. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are loving, disparaging remarks. <laughs> Uh, it's being spread out. However, what, what is exciting to me that I learned only today when making these notes is that Stanley is thinking that this is the first film in a trilogy of H.P. Lovecraft mm -hmm. films he wants to make, and the next one he wants to do is The Dunwich Horror. 
which would be fucking awesome. Yes! Yes! Like, yes! and especially watching this, like, seeing that he understands Lovecraft. Yeah. Like, that's something that you don't really get in a lot of Lovecraftian films, mm -hmm. is the actual scope. Like, it, nothing ever really feels that big. I mean, with the exception of the Mouth of Madness, mm -hmm. I mean, that towards the end even though it's not lovecraft but it's lovecraft like that almost has the scope of just how fucking massive these stories are um so yeah I think I, that film was it, it it was i don't we got to do in the mouth of madness at some point hmm. but that film visually portrayed the idea of of dimensional boundaries being mm -hmm. broken and mixed so brilliantly well and it was like in the 90s i think Mm -hmm. so visually it wasn't it was very puppetry you know and, and so it it wasn't the best at the end when they were stomping down the hall and stuff but it was still for I what still it was it. fantastic like oh yeah just definitely. great i loved it so much um but yeah this this film gives it a run for its money just in pure lovecraftian horror mm -hmm. because we get everything we get madness we get things from other realms, other dimensions of space, we get invasions, contagions, uh, body horror. Necronomicon. Um, the Necronomicon. I mean, it's so goddamn good. It, it's it, it's uh... just... Anyway, okay. I didn't get a chance to watch it again today, which I'm very disappointed about. But I'm going to do my best to remember everything that was important to me when I watched it the first time with my wife. A uh, couple notes, first and foremost. Uh, the filming took place entirely in Portugal in February 2019. Fucking I did beautiful. not know that. And Portugal, you're a beautiful goddamn country. Yeah. I had no absolutely. idea. I thought that was like North America somewhere. Oh, yeah. No, you totally think like Vancouver or some yeah. shit. Because, I mean, that's where everything's shot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, damn, Portugal. I want to visit so damn bad. Fuck yeah. Uh, the budget was $12 million. And it got a box office of <laughs> nine hundred thirty-eight thousand eight hundred sixteen. So, well, uh, that's not surprising that. though, because it was such a limited release. Right, um, that's true. Like, I think they only did maybe twelve screens, and it was digital at the same time too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was day and date, and that that shit drives me insane when they don't factor in that shit, mm -hmm. because there is a way to actually um, quantify digital rentals and shit like that but they never factor that in. it's fucking stupid well what we can factor in is imdb's score of 6.2 out of 10 stars and it is certified fresh with 86 percent mm. and an 82 percent audience score so it is a like everyone loves this film that has seen it well and i think honestly the the biggest like the elephant in the fucking room is that it's nicholas cage playing right. Nicolas Cage in a Nicolas Cage role. <laughs> and that was... A Nicolas Cage joint. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, that was the um, the biggest thing I had to hard, like, getting my wife to watch it. She's like, no, fucking Nicolas Cage. I'm like, okay, no, 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 you have to do it. <laughs> I am so upset that people shit on Nicolas Cage so much. He, there was a point where he went off the rails. Yes, mm. but he's brilliant. Like he's an insane, brilliant actor. If you've ever seen Mandy, he goes to places Fuck. in Mandy that normal actors don't go. Mm -hmm. And then you know you back up a few years and you have him doing Family Man, which is a fantastic holiday film. 
which is great. And he's just... I don't think I ever saw that one. Oh, it's so good. He is an amazing <coughs> actor that, that needs people to respect him. Yes, he's done some shitty movies out of necessity, but he is a great actor. I don't know. It, his thing is... I think the, the problem is extremes. Because he goes from being super straight-laced like he's any dad in America to, well, then he goes to Nicolas Cage where the voice gets all weird. The hands start doing weird things. Mm -hmm. And there's no gradual change in that. And I think that's what a lot of people hate. I mean, I fucking love it because I love just over-the-top acting. Right. Like, I feel like you got to really, you know, act up for the back seats for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. In this particular film, I... I bought into those shifts because there was mm. a narrative element, an excuse for it. Oh, absolutely. You know, he was channeling his, his father, who was an abusive son of a bitch. And mm. so it made sense that when, when he starts to lose his mind, when he starts to turn in, insane because of this color out of space, um, he, he's reverting to what he knows. And every, anyone mm. who knows anything about abuse is that it usually in almost every case, follows from a place of being abused. It, it oh, repeats absolutely. itself. And so that's all he's doing. And, and that makes complete sense when you're, when you're operating from a place of your subconscious mind in his particular character. It's just falling back on old patterns of behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's all. Well, and, and so the, I thought it was great. Like how quick it switches too. Mm -hmm. Like that's like if you've ever been around somebody that's mentally unstable, that's how it is. Yeah. Like one moment you're fucking throwing fruit all over the kitchen freaking out and then oh yeah i'll get to that <laughs> yeah and then that's it like it never happened ah, that yeah. shit happens um, i totally bought it up okay so the log line of this film is a secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite which is apocalyptic consequences for the family living there and possibly the world Again, directed and uh, co-written on the screenplay by Richard Stanley. The screenplay writer and uh, adapter uh, writer is Scarlett Emerus. Nicholas Cage plays Nathan Gardner, the father. Jolie Richardson is Theresa, the mother. Madeline Arthur is Lavinia, the daughter. Brendan Meyer is Benny, the older brother. Julian Hilliard is Jack, the younger brother. And then Sam is the dog. you got to mention Sam because he's great. And that, that's Absolutely. He acts as a point in the film. Um, and then you have the hydrologist surveyor, Elliot Knight, and Tommy Chong plays Ezra, the crazy pot-smoking, go-figure, hermit squatter that uh, lives on their land. Um, and that's kind of... I, I wouldn't kick him off set. my property. Oh, I wouldn't either. Especially when you see his setup, too. I mean, pretty cool. <coughs> Definitely. He's living off the grid, man. Tommy Chong's the best. Um, okay, so the the framing is the family moved out to his old uh, uh, Nathan Gardner's parents, like a state farm land, mm -hmm. uh, in order to sort of bring his wife back from the cancer insanity that she was suffering from mm -hmm. and to try to be a farmer. They, they're tired of city life. They got to come out, decompress, and find their place in the world. And well, I mean, is Arkham is a pretty rough town. <laughs> So, I mean, I get it. And Arkham. <laughs> we are just outside of Arkham because that's where people live. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's where everyone lives. Just and outside. everybody goes to Miskatonic University. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a popular place. It is. They got the best um, professors? 
I don't know. <laughs> sure. Um, so they move out to this farm. He starts, uh, he buys a bunch of alpacas. <laughs> and he's like really emotional about these alpacas. Um, and then he starts a small garden and stuff. And he's trying his best to keep his family together, keep his relationship together with his wife, again, who had cancer and doesn't mm -hmm. uh, survive. Um, I, I believe it was a double mastectomy, but I can't recall at this moment whether that was. I, I believe so. That's what they alluded to. Yeah. Uh, um, the whole comment of, well, I've always been a leg man. Yeah, right, right. And then there's, you know, understandably, she has not wanted to engage in intimacy with him. Mm -hmm. And he is kind of trying his best to convey his desperate need. Now, first mm -hmm. of all, I need to tell people who don't understand men have to get the poison out. They have to. It's true. The, it's That's science. It's testosterone. If you don't, you will explode. You will go crazy. Extremely true. And so you have to get it out. Whether you have help or not <laughs> is one thing. He's <clears throat> trying to get help from his wife. Um, even though yeah, it's been six be months. Delicate. Fuck that. I know. That's a long fucking time. A week. A week is an eternity. Uh, that is six true. I, I couldn't even imagine. Ugh. I mean, I'd, it would just shut down. <laughs> I think at that point, the old adage of, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. Like, I'm pretty sure it just shrivel up and just go. It gets his fucking carpet bag and it just marches away. <laughs> packs up its nuts and marches away. Yeah, it fair. comes with its own carpet bag. <laughs> it's sack. Uh, I never thought of it like that before. That's very funny in my head. Okay, so um, penis jokes aside. Uh, his daughter, who is super fucking cool in the film mm -hmm. and does a great job as an actress, oh, uh, yeah. turns to Wicca in order to try to ritualize and heal her mother. We were all teenagers. We, <laughs> we do stupid things. Mm -hmm. um, or nonsensical things. Anyway, um, she's out in the middle of this really great opening sequence. Uh, if well, you ever great watch fucking crap. introduction to her as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how we first meet her. In the middle Fucking of a ritual. Powerful. I just mm -hmm. love it so much. And here's the thing. We're saying this. Um, we understand pagans and Wiccans are, are pretty foolish in their ideas. But I still love the idea, the, the iconography. I love the imagery. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. Like, you I'd give me the craft that, sure. any day and I will sit down and watch it beginning to end and hey. be in love. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, that's what this opening sequence reminded me of is the craft. Mm -hmm. So I loved it. I just loved it. Any ritual. I love ritual. I can't help it. So she's doing a ritual, performing a ritual. And this um, surveyor comes through. His name is Ward. And he's like, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, asking questions. And she's like, you just ruined this whole thing. She gets on her horse. She has this huge horse and just like rides off insulting him and stuff. It was like the greatest opening sequence ever. The only thing that would have made her even more witchy is if, like, trailing behind her was Stevie Nicks singing. <laughs> like, she's got a staff. She's got a fucking cloak. She's walking around in the middle of the woods with no yeah. shoes. And then she just hops on a white horse and leaves. Yeah. Yeah. It fucking perfect. It was great. Um, anyway, the hydrologist is there because they're, they're thinking about building a dam. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, I mean, ultimately, they're going to build a dam. And so they have to check the quality of the water and at different, you know, areas. Uh, make sure everything's on the up and up. I know nothing about hydrology, so I, I don't know. He's I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. He, we'll just go with it. <laughs> H2O. I don't... That's all I know. Science. <laughs> and so um, she then uh, goes home, and you find out the dynamic that she has with her family is, is very much typical. Um, 
because they're stuck here on this you know plot of land their wi-fi isn't working very well which affects the mother's ability to continue mm. doing her job she's losing clients um, because it, keeps, it, it causes a, a point of tension between her and her husband because she's constantly telling him to fix it and he's constantly telling her that there's nothing wrong with it and that he has fixed it uh, or he just ignores her um, the younger brother and the older brother, like the younger brother, um, he's, he's just not quite there. He's still dealing with trauma, I think, um, from moving out here one, mm -hmm. but also he's just, he's a kid. And so he's just kind of latching onto his dog, Sam for support. Yeah. And his older brother is off with Ezra, Tommy Chong, Ezra, uh, smoking weed and just trying to deal in his own way and so each of these i mean three what kids, else are you gonna do yeah are just dealing with this move in in their own way while the parents are trying their best to keep each other uh at the forefront of their minds and then keep the family together as a family unit and then in the middle of the night comes the meteor literally color out of space and it yeah. crashes into their front yard uh between the barn and their house and immediately nathan the father <coughs> is struck with this horrible smell that no one else can smell mm -hmm. and so the, the the presence of this meteor affects everyone in different ways yeah and i, I love that aspect of it yeah it, it's not one shared experience um which is very interesting it, it it just for me it speaks to this idea that there are different aspects of reality that that different people have the ability to to connect with or tune mm -hmm. into or just are abstractly aware of, and that is personified by each of these characters experiencing it in different ways. Immediately, the news comes out, the mayor comes out, the hydrologist comes over. Everyone's trying to figure out what the hell this is, but they don't want to get too close and disturb it, uh, because again, it's a meteor. It, it could be something, but you don't know. Um, yeah. Ultimately, what the meteor is, is this alien entity that is infecting the environment and everyone that comes in contact with it. Um, which is a very, very wonderful uh, Lovecraftian uh, plot device in order to drive insanity into these this family mm -hmm. unit that's already struggling. And so there is sort of B stories of the dam being built, and so the the mayor wants to make sure that that everything's on the up and up, and would, is really willing to to bury any type of negative stories. Um, the hydrolysis is trying to check and make sure the water is still uh, okay for people to consume with this foreign entity's presence. Um, the environment is dramatically changing with every successive day that this, uh, uh, well, after the initial impact, the meteor itself disappears, right? Yeah. And yep, so it just poofs. It just sort of absorbs. They start hearing, like this young son starts hearing voices from inside the well, which is where everyone's led to believe, well, that's the center of the intelligence mm -hmm. that moved because it was right next to the well when it crashed anyway. But it moved from the meteor into the well itself. And yeah. it's using that. Well, and the, the way I, I took it, like once the meteor disappeared, um, that was when it actually went down because their mm -hmm. land, um, like their property is on top of an aquifer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, that's where I naturally assumed that it went was that, you know, deep, deep, you know, yeah. subterranean water source. Yep. And its ultimate goal is just to, it's revealed throughout the show that it, it's trying to, in the same way that H.G. Uh, Wells explains War of the Worlds, 
whatever in alien intelligence comes to our planet. They're trying to transform the planet into mm-hmm. what they're used to, what they are comfortable existing in. In this particular case, it is a beautiful, vibrant, visual feast of mm-hmm. the eyes. Um, every, new types of flowers and vegetation is being grown uh, from the presence of this alien entity. But that's not all. It also, again, affects the people around it. So um, the father is starting to lose touch with the reality. Um, the, uh, the mother is, again, she's losing touch with her reality as well yeah. and just becoming more and more distant. She ends up cutting her fingers while she's uh, making dinner one night. The dad takes her to the hospital, and that's where the bulk of this madness starts to unfold because you have these mm-hmm. three children with this alien entity trying to coexist and understand what the hell is happening. Yeah. Cell service doesn't work very well. Um, And so whenever the father calls to check in, they're getting static. They're not really hearing each other at all. And, and stuff is starting to really, really happen. The alpacas, for example, um, become this very Lovecraftian mutated pile of alpaca, alpaca pile. I don't know. Yeah. Alpaca, <laughs> alpaca pack. <laughs> it's, it's like the rat king where a bunch of different rats all get bound up together and it creates this one big rat king entity. These are the Pretty rat's much. fangs. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it looks like, but with a lot more slime and purple. Very Lovecraftian. Very so beautiful. Lovecraftian. And it's, so it's goddamn creepy. creepy. And it's terrifying. And these are fucking kids. And so, understandably, they're like freaking out. And every once in a while, this color out of space throbs and it like has this burst that it's like um it's like radiation that affects people in different ways and so um the daughter completely goes insane um the older brother is losing touch with the reality the son the l- younger brother is completely out of his mind just focused on the voice at the bottom of the well gets to oh, a yeah, point his friend yeah, where he, he's actually communicating with it. And he'll just sit there all day long, staring at the whale, laughing and talking with this invisible entity. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, we see like an insect fly out of it, this magical, colorful insect, um, and move about its business, you know, infecting other areas and stuff. Uh, and then the dog goes missing in the well. Yeah. It gets to a point of pure craziness and infection where this alien entity is infecting everyone and even Ezra is hearing it in the aquifer. He's like mm-hmm. recording the ground and he can hear the voices. Um, the ward, uh, the guy named Ward, the hydrologist is coming around the area because he's worried about this clear environmental hazard and he's like, look, you guys cannot drink this water. There's something going on. Mm-hmm. He visits Ezra and he can tell that Ezra is off the deep end, insane and infected. Like completely crazy and not just from drugs. And so he's doing his best to rescue the daughter and the sons from this area, but he just can't get out. They try to take the horse and in pure Lovecraftian fashion, the horse sort of just goes off on its own and uh, leaves everyone else. It almost made me feel like it was um, um, in the mouth of madness where they keep repeating the same stretch of road. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I was getting with the horse running oh, yeah, away. Definitely. Well, it's like you almost have that ray of hope because um, they decide to try to, the horse after um, Nicholas Cage tries the car and then the car dies. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and, yeah, it's like you think there's that hope. You're 
okay, they might make it out of this. And then you just get that one little twinkle of the pink in the horse's eye. And then it just <laughs> like, bams. Oh, shit. <laughs> you can tell it's infected right away. And mm-hmm. so the real madness starts, like the insanity starts when the mom and father, mother and father return from the hospital and the, um, the, the mother hears the son or uh, it walks out in the front yard and sees this, the youngest son staring at the barn. Well, the older brother and the sister are telling them, don't go near the barn. That There's insane alpacas out there. Like something's happening. And then that radiation wave hits when the mom runs up and grabs the son. And they literally meld together like all of the alpacas yeah. melded together. And so she was holding him and they just sort of like absorbed into each other. And so if you can imagine seeing your mother and your youngest brother become one biological entity and they're both in pain, screaming. Oh yeah. Understandably. <laughs> and you're just like, what do you do? Like that this is the most crazy thing you could ever see. And so they the father takes them into the attic and he's finally gets into his head. He's like, Look, there's nothing we can do. I have to kill her. He's like, kids, you need to go downstairs. I have to take care of this. Meanwhile, he's slipping in and out of his father's voice when he's interacting with the kids. Um, trying again, he's trying to keep it together, but he's infected too. Um, and so he gets the shotgun and he's leveling it at her and he's almost ready to kill her. And then he switches and he loses control of his own body to the entity, to the color. Um, and he doesn't kill her. And then he decides to feed her (laughs) the children, no less. And this mother son biological mixture turns into a very Lovecraftian monster, which is absolutely great. Um, And so as like the sort of climax of the film is where the father is trying to feed the daughter to the mother son mixture and the sheriff has come in trying to rescue everyone. um, Mm -hmm. And he gets up there and he like uh, the daughter's almost being eaten and he like kills the the mother son mix. And that was that was actually Nicolas Cage. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so he's up there. He's freaking the fuck out because he has no idea what's going on. I mean, he's got his shotgun leveled <coughs> at the creature, but freezes up. And then, you know, mom gets blasted in the face. And you're thinking, oh, okay, the sheriff got her. And now Nicholas Cage is there. He's like, Moment of she's not my wife. They're not really my family. Then he walks up and blasts the kid in the face, which was hilarious. Yeah, he has these really wonderful moments of sitting in the living room with um, watching TV and the sheriff's like, hey, where's your family? He's like, they're right here. Yeah. They're right it's here. Like, and you guys are crazy. What are you talking completely about? Completely empty. And what, what we learn throughout the course of the film is that the color out of space is, it, it's like a black hole. It alters space time itself. Mm-hmm. And so what, what um, Nathan Gardner, the father, is experiencing is the future and the past all at the same time, which also makes him insane. Mm -hmm. And um, it culminates with Ward, the hydrologist, uh, trying to escape this color infestation and the other people who are infested with it. Um, And he runs into the basement as this uh, color sort of absorbs itself and travels back through space-time in the form of a black hole sucking up matter. Which yeah, that show is so beautiful. I didn't fully comprehend the message that it was trying to say when it decided to suddenly leave after having infected 
and and done what it was trying to do ostensibly and then it just stopped which i thought was weird um as if its entire existence hinged on the family's survival for it to continue mm. and once that ended they it, it just said well i can't stay anymore i have to leave so i didn't fully understand that did you yeah, we're overstood it's welcome <laughs> It it's like, like, oh shit, my Well, we've had dead. coffee, so I guess well, I should be going, you know, a long drive back to back to the outer realms. <laughs> it's a fucking amazing film. Like you Absolutely. have to see it visually. It's a feast for your eyes. The story, you can't beat Lovecraft. No. And the, all of the actors bring it. They bring it really well. And it Absolutely. is is thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> a great story. What were some of your favorite parts? So I'm a real big fan of, you know, Jalo, um, more specifically Dario Argento films. Mm. And I mean, as soon as shit really starts to happen, um, like when the, I guess not as soon as it starts to happen, but when the meteor first touches down, um, like all those color schemes, like that is straight up Inferno. Mm -hmm. It is just so fucking beautiful like i am a sucker for just bright colorful lights mm -hmm. like i'm an idiot so you throw those in front of me i don't care what it is i'm just like hey, hey, hey this is fun <laughs> i like this um and then of course the creature effects like mm -hmm. of course they did <clears throat> have to do a lot of cg because realistically there's no way in hell you can do all of that practically yeah. uh especially like when they're fully possessed by the color mm -hmm. and you can see it moving under their skin and all that stuff um, but the practical parts that they did do, like, fucking insane. Like, seriously, that Alpaca King, I guess it's, well, just call it from now on. Yeah. Like, that was gorgeous and terrifying. Yeah. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. not a single thing about it. You're like, oh, well, that's clearly just fucking silicone. It's like, no, that shit was real. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It was great. I thought all the monster effects in this film were really, really good. <laughs> and, and it lets you know that... <laughs> You can fully realize Lovecraft horror mm -hmm. on screen. And it's done so poorly for so many years that there's only a handful of films that do it well. Um, mm -hmm. This is definitely, definitely one of them. It's at the top, oh, yeah. in my opinion. No, absolutely. This is my number one. Um, okay, so some of my favorite parts, I think... I, I'm a sucker for science. And so anytime you throw black holes or space-time continuums or um uh, you know timeline story elements i i just get crazy i'm i, I just start you know, like yes yes it's i love it it's science fiction stuff. i understand that it's not science fact but i i can't help but love it i grew up with it i it's so entertaining to me and it it is the the germ of pure imagination Mm -hmm. and, and I love to fantasize about stuff like that. And so to see it on film feeds into it all the better. Uh, oh, yeah. What were some of your least favorite parts about this film? So, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like, uh, and I'll admit it was, the first time watching it was when I had real issues with him. Um, I, I watched it before we got on today. And, like, I get it. Especially if you understand the whole Rage Cage Mm -hmm. thing like it makes sense but it's like i i'm conflicted because on one hand i understand why he did what he did um uh, like especially with the extreme uh mood changes yeah like they bothered me 
but I don't know if it bothered me because it feels like shitty acting, which it's not, or if it bothered me because that's like fucking how it really is in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess really probably just that. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I like I really don't have complaints about this movie. Yeah, Nicolas Cage was my least favorite part as well. Um, it was his hair, which is just getting bad. Yeah. Really bad. Really, really bad, Nicholas. And then um, he, he needs to moisturize. He needs to do something. Get some product. <laughs> do something with your hair because holy fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he when he switches to those weird voices of his father, the the voice bugs me. I don't. It, mm. It's just it it really bothers me. I understand <clears throat> what he's doing and I accept it as far as the story go. But he he's he's an actor. He's used that voice in other films. And it, it's always bugged me. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't like that version of his voice. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I, it's I, like, I don't want to shit on Nicolas Cage, though, because Leaving Las Vegas was probably one of the greatest films that involved alcoholism ever made. And he was the reason why it was so good. Mm. So I have to give... Have you seen that? I haven't. Oh, I don't think dude! Fuck, it is such an... It, first of all, it's an amazing film. You have to see it just for the fact that it's an amazing film. But he brings it so much. And not in like the Nicolas Cage way. It was before he... This is like Oscar Nicolas Cage. You know, mm-hmm. like, like bringing it actor Nicolas Cage. Anyway. So this is when he was still Coppola, not Cage. Exactly. Yes, gotcha. very much so. Um, and so, you know... he. His, he's used the voice before. It's always kind of bugged me. It bugged me in this, and he really <laughs> leaned on it in this. He leaned on it because he had to because it was in the story, but I don't like it. It bugs yeah, me. Yeah, I... See, my biggest complaint with it, um, like, when it was just him, like, for instance, uh, when it's him and his wife in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, fucking throwing the fruit and all that shit mm-hmm. and throwing a fit, I bought it. It made sense. But for some reason, like... Uh, Towards the end, right before um, the two brothers are gone, um, when he's sitting there having a moment with the daughter, like, she's just fucking there. Like, you are believing every goddamn yeah. word out of her mouth because she's just – you see the pain in her face. Those are actual tears. And she's just a fucking actor. And then he starts with the wacky hands and the wacky yep. voice. It's just like yep. – you guys are in two different movies right now. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, <laughs> like, fuck. It makes sense, but at the same time, it kind of pulls me out a little. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so, other than that, uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover for this film at all? No. No, pretty much everything else would just be talking about the, you know, the legend that is Richard Stanley. Yeah. So that's a whole other fucking show. A living legend that will go on to do more, and I cannot wait to see what he comes up with next. Oh, that's oh, that's the one thing. Okay, so that was my other favorite parts is Richard Stanley putting his fucking mark on the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from just <clears throat> like how everything was laid out and all that, um, a thing that's like a key in all of his movies is seeing through the eyes of basically the not human entity mm-hmm. so actually seeing what the color was seeing right i mean it's beautiful and it's amazing but it's like eh, eh, richard stanley's doing the richard stanley thing <laughs> that, that was pretty fun 
That's wild because I, I didn't come from it knowing any of his other work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I didn't see that version of Island of Dr. Moreau at all. Well, so, again, that's not his. Right. right. At all. And I didn't see the documentary about it. Uh, so I didn't, I knew nothing except that it reminded people of Mandy a little bit, which was all I needed to know because I love Mandy. Yeah. And, and watching it and seeing, so I, when I watched it, I didn't see the director. I just saw a film that was really, really wonderful. And so if this is his stamp, and again, he did grow up with his mother reading H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's works. And so he has a deep love for Lovecraft. Oh, yeah. you, you can just see it in his work. And so if, if this is what he's going to bring to the table next film, hell yeah. Hell Well, considering yes. he like disappeared to the desert for almost 20 fucking years with nothing but books and copious amounts of drugs. Like I would hope whatever he does book wise is just phenomenal. You're either going to come back completely mad or a fucking genius, (laughs) which is the same goddamn thing. Well, yeah, two sides of the same coin, perhaps. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There's nothing else I really want to talk about other than just to stress. (coughs) This really is a ride that you want to it go is. on and and you here's the thing i watched it the first time with my wife and i was like well we watched it because i was i was on the fence of buying it and mm-hmm. i didn't want to buy it unless i'd seen it and so we rented it and i was like but if we rent it that's like half that it costs to buy it or a quarter of what mm-hmm. it costs to buy it i might as well just buy it if i'm going to watch it more than once and so i watched it the first time i was like you know i i i enjoyed it mm-hmm. i don't know if i would watch it once a year you know maybe a couple times every couple years, but I, it, it's not one of my go-tos that I would go back to all the time. And then mm-hmm. we started talking about it in, you know, sort of tertiary other conversations. It was like, you know what? That was actually a really, really good fucking film that I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not giving it the justice that it deserves. And I would watch it once a year. And so I just didn't get a chance because I was working today, but um, I wanted Stupid to buy it jobs. today. I know. Fucking bills and shit. No, no, it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a huge complaint of mine. It's like I'm either on or I'm off. I can't be half on. Like you can't give me half work and expect me to be giving you whole work. Like this mm-hmm. pandemic is fucking with my equilibrium here. Oh, but, I trust me, I know. This is the longest <laughs> I've gone without work in about twenty years. Oh man. Oh man. So anyway, um <coughs> I, I I truly love thinking about this film, doing the show notes for this film. It got me all excited to watch it again. And now I'm going to go watch it again. I I mean, right now, what we do in the shadows is out again. So I'm going to watch that first, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's on fucking FX tonight. Wait, wait. it it starts tonight or it started last night? Oh, I don't know. I think it was. I don't know. I thought it was tonight, but I don't know. Yeah, because I know it's like next day on FX. But yeah, fuck yeah. I am super excited for that shit. So I was I was gonna watch it tonight, but then I realized what we do in the shadows is coming back, and I was like, nope, everything moves aside for what we do in the shadows. Absolutely. <laughs> so and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of you should not be watching this right now. You should be watching what we do in the shadows, and then come back afterwards yes, and then watch it. Um, and watch all the the teasers for it too. Like, if, have you seen any of the no, teasers for this coming season? Huh. Oh my god, they're fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, like there's um, there's a few of uh, Guillermo like playing with marionette dolls, reenacting scenes from the first season and shit. It is fucking hilarious. It's such a good goddamn series. It's, I can't. It's oh. perfect. Like, and, and I was so nervous about it too, because that's one of my favorite movies. 
You like, and your wife are the only reason why I watched that because you literally forced me to watch it by buying I, me I a copy. <laughs> You're like, you have to watch it. Honey, buy them a DVD version. You bought me a Blu-ray version. And I was like, fuck, now I have to watch this. I watched yeah. it. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's fucking it's perfect. It's so amazing. It's yeah. so fucking amazing. My wife and I constantly quote it. Constantly. It's hard not to. It's just like, it's part of our vernacular now, our couple vernacular. Um, anyway, as far as uh, uh, Colorado Space goes, uh, how many banana <coughs> stickers do you think this thing deserves? Um, I'll give it a good solid 3.5 out of 4. It's, I'd give it solid 4 if Nicolas Cage wasn't as Nicolas Cagey in it. Right. But I also don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence of that. You know, I haven't seen it twice. It's like I need to watch like five more times mm -hmm. to fully understand it. But um, yeah. Three point five. We gotta watch it with a commentary. We gotta like just watch it together yeah. and just bullshit. Fuck yeah, we do. It's it's weird yeah. watching something like this by myself because you know Jenna has one of those things where she works. <laughs> can't just <laughs> sit around society, all day and watch movies trying with to me. Hang on. Uh, um, fuck I, uh, I'm I'm tossed on these on the ratings because I don't know if I'm I'm comparing it to what it is claiming to deliver versus. Mm -hmm comparing it to other films you know like oh well compared to other hp lovecrafts it's a four out of four comparing it to what it is supposed to deliver within itself how it presents itself i mean it's like a 3.75 for me like mm -hmm. it is it is like almost a four film but if you're comparing it to other films i don't think it's an oscar worthy film i just no, think no, it's a great not. film and so it's tough for me to think okay well i would give I don't know. I'd give um, a new hope four out of four Star Wars: New Hope, um, but this does not come close to a new no. hope for me. But it's no, still even. in its own space a fantastic goddamn film. And so I, I got to go with three seven five or something if we can cut up that banana. It's our fucking show, goddamn it. Yeah. We can do it however we want. There it is. All right, people. Thank you for tuning in live. Let me give a quick shout out to you guys. Behemoth, good to see you. Lanny, what up? Kate, thank you so much for joining us live. Dog, how are you, my dear? Basilisk, good to see you, man. Uh, if you guys haven't seen this yet, we just spoiled it for you. Sorry. Unless, no, we didn't. Course, we could tell you beat for beat everything about this fucking movie. You're still going to need to <laughs> see true. it. It's true. Again, I've said it many times during this episode. Visual feast. You have yeah, to absolutely. You consume this with your eyes. You got to check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just, it's just like an Argento movie. Yeah. There's this much story. The rest is all visual and you have to see it. Yeah. And this sound, we didn't even talk about the sound design. Oh my Holy God. Holy shit. Like I'm like fucking sitting there pinching my nipples and twisting like, God <laughs> damn it. Give me more synth. Oh, oh, I love that shitty synth. It is so good. So it is so incredibly good. good and it fits in so perfectly. Mm -hmm. With yeah, this user T thirty eight, fucking awesome, plain and simple. Oh man, I just ugh. we didn't even talk about the fucking sound. It was its own character. It was so mm -hmm. good, and the only a handful of shows do this. Films do this well. <coughs> um, this is definitely <coughs> one. so. All right, um, check it out, everyone. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, if you like. What we're doing here, if you like this series, uh, you know, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and don't forget to hit that little bell icon to get notified on the next uh, video. If you'd like to get updated via email, you can sign up to the email list in the description below.
but you can also find this in a podcast format. That's right. Tomorrow I'm going to release the audio version of this episode, and you can find all of the audio versions of every series that I produce. It uh, Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Reverend Campbell. It'll be there. There's also a Satanist on Cinema specific feed. Go to the website, reverendcampbell.com, to find out more about that. Thank you guys again. Cameron, I love you, man. Stay healthy. Don't die on me. Hey, I'm uh, I'm working on it. Almost done with the antibiotics, so yeah. I might not be dead next week. Yeah, no more drippy dick. Uh, well, <laughs> no more coughing. <laughs> like it's, I don't want to get those kind of antibiotics because I already got wicked diarrhea. Oh no, no! Uh, I'm glad you shared that with me. Uh, it's, you, everybody needs to know that. Okay. Uh, thank you all again. Have a great pandemic <laughs> social isolation <laughs> day. Friday. What movie do you want to watch on Friday? Netflix party. We'll talk afterwards. Okay. Because I've got a list. Tease, everyone. Netflix party on Friday night. Yeah, sign up for the fucking email list just for that reason. Stay tuned for information on that. And until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. I need to come up with some outro music. Or like an outro video. I... I got nothing. I, I wish I had a theremin right now. It's just us talking over. Oh, I wonder if I could um, reach out to Darren and Ethel and have maybe a, like a wedding funeral ending. Ooh. That would be sexy. That would be. Hmm.